The Derek and Mike Podcast. Welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for joining us. We really appreciate you being here. Join us on Twitter at Derek and Mike Pod or hit us up on our website, DerekandMike.com. My name is Mike. This is my boy, Derek. What's up, Mike? What's up, everybody? Derek, have you ever been in a car accident? Yeah, I have. I've been uh, hit from behind. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm talking about in, in a car. Oh, <laughs> uh, when I said that, I was like, I left that out there, and I'm like, oh shit, let me retract that. <laughs> you were just spread wide open to take that one. I, I somebody hit it and quit oh, it. Man, yeah. So you have you have only been the uh, not at fault party in a in a car accident. Yes, luckily. Was it so. bad? Um, you know, it was. Uh, it was scary, and um, my car didn't take too much damage. It was able to be repaired. It wasn't, like, totaled or anything, but, um, right. yeah, somebody hit me on the freeway, and there, it was some kid that was driving, like, uh, he thought he was in a race or something, and he was driving like crazy, and he he veered in behind me, and he tried to slam on his brakes, and nope, didn't work. Oh. All right. Yeah. So, so no like major injury, whiplash or anything uh, bad. Just kind of shaken up, some damage. Got your car fixed. You know, I on. do. No, actually, no. I got two two acts. Two people rear-ended me before. Actually, no, I, I did get. <laughs> I did get a little whiplash. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And I do remember back when you were street bike, Derek. You had to lay your street bike down at some point, right? Yeah, that was. Um, that wasn't very bad of an accident, but yeah, I was riding on Highland Avenue in El, uh, what's in Bloomington or um, El Cerrito, and uh, that was a very very windy highway, and the wind actually blew me into the opposite lane. Um, yeah, and there were cars coming, and so I pulled off. I just kept veering and uh, ended up dropping it over on the opposite uh, emergency lane. Whoa, that's scary. Very scary. Mm-hmm. Man, was that it for street bike, Derek? Or did you uh, continue with your uh, daredevil street bike Oh, wait, activity? hold up. Oh, man. <laughs> this is bringing back some uh, PTSD here. Um, Uh-oh. I went riding one time with Bill. Oh, Ryan's brother Bill is a fucking maniac. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah. He, <laughs> what you said it was like I went riding with Bill. Yeah, I. Oh. Yeah, exactly. It 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 does warrant a reaction uh, because <laughs> he took. We went canyon carving. Oh, up on uh, where the hell was that? That one street that goes up to Lake Paris. I know you know which one I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. That back street that goes up to Lake Paris, a little two-laner. And mm-hmm. one time, uh, we went in between a tractor trailer, and on the opposite side were cars coming. And this is a two-lane highway. I- I'm riding on on the, the solid yellow line that's in between, the do-not-pass line. Mm-hmm. Um, and the car came so close that 
I remember looking down to like make sure my leg was there. Whoa. That's yeah. got to be a trip when you're riding with someone because you kind of feel obligated to keep up with them. Uh, I mean, you don't want to be the pussy who like falls way back and uh, it's like, oh, I'll catch up with you later, bro. Um, but when you're riding with a guy like Bill, who I've, I've never been a motorcycle guy, so I've never ridden with Bill, but I know Bill, so I can assume what riding with Bill must be like. And uh, he is he is like full blown, uh, like uh, extreme, you know, I mean, he's. He's gung-ho in everything he does. So I, I know on a bike, I've heard lots of stories about how crazy he is on a bike. Uh, so that must have been kind of gnarly. Was that like the first and last time you ever rode with Bill? Or did you freaking, you know, try that again? No, that was the first and last time. Yeah, you know, like, hey, it, was, it was great, dude, but I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I'm lucky to be alive and uh, I'm counting my blessings. And man, yeah, no, that was just, wow. that was pretty scary. Wow. So, so what made me think of that is car accident. Well, you know, and you, you say too, you've only been at in, not at fault accidents. Uh, you took it from behind twice and then you got blown on your street bike. So getting, getting blown is definitely better than taking it from behind. Yeah, but, yeah. uh, it seemed like all of those were not, uh, dummy moves on your part. Um, I, I think I've, I've only been in at fault accidents where I've been the dumbass that hit someone else. Oh. <laughs> uh, nothing ever major. I rear ended a guy once. Uh, I was taking tequila shots at Gap's house um, with Chris, and I don't remember who else was there. And then we decided to go to Cask and Cleaver to go drink more. So I drove. And, uh, I didn't feel that buzzed, but I was probably more buzzed than, than I recognized or certainly more buzzed than I should have been driving. And I didn't hit the brakes early enough coming down a hill and slid into the back of a car, uh, smashed into the back of them pretty good. No major damage, bent up my hood a little bit, dented his rear bumper. Um, and then when the guys got out, there were all these very clean cut, well-dressed Mexican guys wearing like black suits with bolo ties and hats. Like they looked... Uh, either they were Mexican mafia or they were a mariachi band. I don't know, oh but my. they looked very, they were very official. And when they got out, we were all like, oh shit, man. Like these guys don't look like they're going to fuck around. Um, then, uh, let's see. Well, well, what happened? Did they, were they nice or were they? No, they were extortionists. So oh. they, um, well, how did that work out? I think I kind of tried to play the car. Oh, they were going to call the cops. So they're like, hey, man, we're going to get we're going to call the cops over here. And I was drinking. So I was just like, hey, what do we got to do here, dude? Like, we can just take care of this. Both of our cars are drivable. No one's hurt. You know, there's no reason to get police involved in this. Right. Yeah. Uh, tried to kind of play that card. And he wasn't having it. He was like, no, we need to call the police. And I think I resorted to um, I'll just pay you money. Like, what's it going to take for you not to call the police kind of thing? Yeah. And um, uh he, he wanted my license. He was like, you give me your license, we'll talk later. And I was like, oh, that's fucking weird, but I got to get out of here, right? So I gave the guy my license, and um, what happened later? Oh, he sued my insurance company. So I gave him my license, and then he mailed it back to me, because my address was obviously on my license. So I got a letter in the mail that was my license, and then not long after that, I got uh, notified that I was being sued, or that he was suing my insurance company kind of thing. Oh. And... um they paid him a shitload of money. Uh, it didn't cost me anything because it's all insurance, right? I probably just paid the deductible or something like that. But, uh, yeah, he got a bunch of money out of my insurance company for that. 
Oh, man. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah and you Probably have... not Mexican Mafia. I don't think Mexican Mafia would have been so quick to want to call the police or go the route of suing you for insurance. Yeah, that's true. And Probably you, my mariachi band. You have that casualty insurance, don't you? Is that Am I imagining that or um, USAA or something like that? or? Oh, I... insurance. I've, I've gone through a few. I used to have your recommendation of Wawanisa. I don't oh. know if you're still a Wawanisa insurance uh -huh. yep. customer. Mm -hmm. uh, they are awesome, and they do not fuck around, where when you get a few points on your license, they basically say, yeah, we don't want you anymore, so you're not Wawa Wawanisa material. And I had them for a lot of years. Um, after you helped me out and we lived together and got me on with Wawanisa, I kept them for years. And then eventually I got <clears throat> a speeding ticket in a school zone. And uh, that's when they decided I wasn't Wawanisa material anymore. Um, so I was shown the door. And after that, I just jumped on with my wife's insurance. And uh, who the hell is our insurance? Uh... I don't even remember some fucking whatever company just check the box insurance yeah she pays the bills huh? uh yeah yeah she pays that it's lumped into her insurance thing that she's already been paying forever so she just added me in my vehicle uh so that just became one of our house bills um and uh yeah one of these days i hope to reapply with wawanisa and see if they'll take me back because they were a fantastic insurance company and I also like the idea of being with an elite insurance company that that doesn't take no guff from nobody. <laughs> I kind of like that. Like, I want to be in that club, you know? I only want to yeah. be in the club because they kick me out of it. Uh, <laughs> I'm just like, one of these days, I will earn my way back to that that Wawanisa club, and uh, um, we'll see. But uh, for all I know, those points have fallen off my record because that was years ago. I don't really know how long points take to fall off your record. Maybe I'm Wawanisa material again, and I don't even know it. I should go find out. Yeah, no, they are really good. I mean, I remember telling people, well, the first thing you tell people is they, when they ask, what insurance do you have? You say, Wawa Nisa, and they say, what? You know, <laughs> well, Wawa Nisa, what? I never, what, Wawa, what? You know? It's, it, it's but, spelled exactly like it sounds. Yeah, it's, an, it's a Canadian company, and they is have it? an office in California. I don't know if they have it statewide, but the rates are unbelievably cheap. Yeah, and because they only insure... Uh, you know, yeah. low risk drivers. Yeah. So yeah. as soon as you go speeding through a school zone, they're like, Hey, you're ruining for everybody. You can't come to this party anymore. You're out. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh man, I felt so rejected. Yeah. I still hurts. feel that pain. That, that was a hurts. long time ago. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's shameful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so anyway, uh, car accidents. What brought that up was I heard a story that made me think about some stuff and I wanted to get your, uh, your opinion on, um, I guess in England, they're having debates over um, how to how to address the, you know, the obvious problem of as people get older, they become a higher risk driver. Like when, when you get old, you become a not good driver and you become a little more dangerous on the road. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a hard thing to pinpoint uh, law wise or regulation wise. And they're having a debate over like, okay, what, uh, at a certain age, should we require them to do like behind the wheel tests every year or every three years? Or what do we do here? And it's obviously kicked up all kinds of debate because it's, um, it's degrading to be told, hey, you're feeble. And now you need to be tested every year. Uh, you know, you've been a good driver for 50 years, but now you're a problem all of a sudden. And where do you draw that line? Do you say, hey, every 
Buddy at the age of 70 now has to go through these new, um, uh, uh, you know, testing requirements or whatever. And it brought up an interesting point. I was I was kind of wondering, like, just on the surface of of treating old people like automatically bad drivers at a certain age. What are your thoughts on that? No, it's definitely a tough subject to crack because, you know, most of the time I fall on the uh, non-regulatory side of things. But it's true, though. I mean, I've heard stories where people would say, like, um, yeah, you know, my dad or mom is 80 and she's driving and she shouldn't be. Or, you know, you... I've yeah. kind of heard these things that uh, have never turned into like accidents or anything, but um, well, and there's nothing in place to take that guy's 80 year old mom off the road until she has an accident, hurts herself or someone else or damages property or until there's a problem, there's no problem. But that seems like a bad plan, you know? Yeah, it is. I agree. And, you know, it does seem like there should be some sort of cognitive test. Uh, of course, you know, the, the, the fear with something like that is that it would be turned against the people and say like, well, you, uh, you're losing your license because you didn't pass this cognitive test. And, uh, it also turns out that you voted Republican, you know, or something like, you know, everybody that's Republican gets a, gets a new request in the mail or Democrat or or whatever it is, or whoever's in the office, you know, that's, that's kind of the fear right there is that that can be used as a weapon. But, um, you know, if, if, and I don't know what the answer to that is, but, you know, I I will say like being over 80 and, uh, having to take a cognitive test, doesn't sound like it's that bad of an idea. I mean, of course Uh, I'm not 80, but well, and that's my thought too, is like, to me, it feels like, oh, well, that's like obvious once you're 80. Yeah. You should have your brain checked. You're, you're, you're a risk, man. I mean, you're, you're either already, uh, mentally incapable of, of you know piloting a motor vehicle or you will be soon but that's easy for a younger guy to say and when i'm 80 i yeah. certainly don't want some government agency knocking on my door and going hey you're 80 you're stupid now so you have to do this test every year i'd be like fuck you i agree you're right you're right when you're in that position you'd be like oh man that's and then and then what are the re... what are the effects of taking that cognitive test and then you fail are those results distributed elsewhere and used against you in a way or what if it's not even like take the cognitive test out of it because that's um that to me is a like more of a direct assault on your mental capability or capacity whereas a behind the wheel test every year is just like hey can you drive safely or not you know um are you able to like back out of a driveway without you know uh, uh obstructing traffic or driving right into a parked car or i mean fuck we've all seen uh, elderly people driving that should not be driving, you know what I mean? Trying to, trying to maneuver in a parking lot or pull out of their driveway or just, just drive in a lane, dude, where you pull up next to him and you're like, what's wrong with this guy? And you pull up and it's some 90 year old lady and you're like, oh damn, she should not be driving, you know? Especially around right now because the older generation is generally like they're, they're used to getting Christmas presents and they're used to getting Christmas presents at stores. They don't do a whole lot of online shopping. Sometimes that's a little, that's just not the way they're used to doing it. So, yeah. you know, around now is the time when you, you I'm sure you've got to have seen it. Like um, they're going to you're stores and you're getting behind these people. Than normal. 
are yeah. uh, are are out on the road these days around the holidays. Yep. Yeah. Do my dad had uh, a thing where there was an older lady who lived right across the street from him, and uh, I don't know how old the lady was, but she, she was you know up there, say eighty or ninety or somewhere up in 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 those ages. We're kind of generalizing, and directly across from her driveway, right in front of my dad's house, was parked his very cool brand new um, Ford Probe, which. I don't think they make any more. It was kind of a sporty car. It was like red and, and it oh, was kind yeah. of racy looking. It was a pretty rad car back in the, I guess this was like the late 90s or something. Yeah, they had turbo. And, um, it was fucking rad, dude. Yeah. And I think it was my dad's single guy car because it was it was uh, a short time after he was um, divorced from my mom. And he was out living with a friend and becoming single guy again and then bought a rad sports car. Um and then at this point, he was remarried to my stepmom and, and all that, but still had the rad sports car, and it was fucking cool, dude. And uh, my dad's cool Ford Probe was parked uh, along the curb directly opposite of this old lady's driveway, and she had gotten into her, her, her fucking monstrous four-door Buick that, you know, they all stereotypically drive. And she had gotten into her car, started backing up, and just floored it directly across the street into my dad's Ford probe and imagine the distance just across a regular residential street not that much of a distance she got so much speed in her gigantic v8 boat and hit my dad's Ford probe so hard that it jumped over the curb folded both of the curbside wheels under the car folded them flat like the back to the future DeLorean wow. and flipped my dad's car entirely around so it was facing the opposite direction sitting up on the sidewalk with the wheels folded underneath it she hit this thing hard as fuck with zero runway space and she continued to go and still had her foot planted on the gas and uh, went backwards into my dad's neighbor's side yard drove through his fence the only thing that stopped her car was the back end of her car um, drove up onto a tree stump and um, had her rear rear wheels off the ground. And we heard the whole thing from inside the house, gigantic noise, commotion, crash. We all ran outside. We saw what had happened to his Ford probe. And we were like, holy shit. And we went over and we saw her car um, half in the neighbor's backyard with the fence smashed and her ass end of her giant Buick still up in the air with her foot still planted, full-blown on the accelerator, wheels just spinning out of control, and she's just sitting in the driver's seat with this deer in headlights face on, still smashing the gas, but not going anywhere because her wheels are off the ground. And my dad went over to the driver's side, opened up her door, reached in, turned the key off, and helped her out of the car. Uh, but she wasn't going to stop. Wow. She didn't like realize her mistake and take her foot off the gas. What she said later was, she thought she was pressing the gas, but she was obviously smashing the accelerator the whole time. Um, so as she, I guess as she was backing out of her driveway, you know, she went faster than she wanted to, thought she was smashing the brake, but was really smashing the accelerator, floored it across the street, fucked my dad's car all up, blew into the neighbor's backyard, luckily propped up on a tree stump, and that took her wheels off the ground. But yikes, she could have killed someone, dude. Easily, easily, easily. Some kid could have been riding a bike down the sidewalk where my dad's car flipped around and landed, you know? Yeah. All kinds of shit. She could have drove right through a house. If she didn't hit the neighbor's backyard and get propped up on that tree stump, she could have drove right through a fucking living room or a bedroom or who knows, you know? And those Buicks back then, those things were like probably 2,000 pounds. Those are <laughs> boats. 
boats. I mean, you know, that that that's one of those ironic things where it's like, okay, the worst drivers on the road are driving the biggest, most powerful machines of everybody. Like, yikes. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, that was that was a hairy situation. And that was the catalyst for that nice old lady that lived across the street from my dad to realize that yeah, she can no longer drive. She lost her license and from then on she was, you know, uh catching rides. But um you know, there was no system in place to realize that she wasn't capable of driving anymore. So until that happens or she kills someone or hurts herself or who knows, um, that's just, you know, they're just kind of allowed to, we're all just allowed to drive until we're not able to drive. And that line is drawn when a problem occurs. That's a bad system. Yeah. The, I mean, the ideal is like a family member would get involved you know, uh, and just yeah. be like, hey, like, uh, you can't drive that. grandma. All right, so you get super old, uh, and you're 90, and your daughter uh, is, you know, 60 or whatever, however old she is. She, you know, she's she's a, a very mature adult by the time you're 90 and can't drive anymore. And your daughter comes to you and says, Dad, you shouldn't be driving anymore. You're going to be like, shut your face. You know, like, the fuck are you? You're going to tell me I can't drive anymore. I've been driving my whole goddamn life. I'm fine. Then that's how that looks. It could be. Yeah, you're right. But I mean, you know. I would give more weight to a family member that, but you know, it, it's such a tough, touchy subject, but there, I guess there does have to be some sort of a test that you Dude, have I know to pass. If, if the time ever comes that I have to have that conversation with my dad, uh, I'm wearing a helmet. Now, that's for goddamn sure, because <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to go tell my dad, like, hey, pop, you're, you're dangerous on the road, man. You shouldn't be driving anymore. He'd be like, boy, put him up. <laughs> we're fucking we're throwing down well you know these self-driving cars are are getting more and more popular this might be a yeah. limited time mm -hmm. issue here you know yeah maybe well and then my other thought where where, the, where this whole line of thinking took me is like okay i think you can make an argument that we should have something in place to identify when a person has aged to a point that they probably shouldn't be driving because let's face it it's different for everybody. Some 90-year-olds are completely mentally there and totally fine, and they're they're perfectly capable of driving safely at 90, and other people really start losing their shit 60s, 70s, or earlier, or who knows, dude. It's true. Yeah, no, there I mean, is that, that cognitive uh, decline on younger yeah, people. so maybe the answer is we should all be tested behind the wheel, uh, you know, every decade or something until a certain age, and then maybe once every five years or whatever, like, yeah, that'd be inconvenient. I would adhere to that. I think that would overall make the roads a safer place. Like, I don't know. Have you ever done a behind the wheel since you were 16? Your first behind the wheel? That's the only one I ever, I've ever done. Yeah, no, no, never, never done a single one. So you, so you pass the test. You're like, Hey, I can do this at 16. And then later on when you're 76, fucking 60 years later, you're just assumed to still be at that same capability level. Uh, that, that's a weird thing. Yeah, no, that, that. That is a good point. You know, imagine the resources that that would require too, not to bring uh, money into it, but you know that that's an aspect. Of, I mean, if everybody well, has to get it retested, would, it would be a revenue generator because there would be a fee associated with that. I mean, they're not just going to be you know absorbing that cost. It would be like, hey, every ten years you have to um, you know resubmit to this uh, driver capability examination, and the cost Maybe. is three hundred dollars. Well, I mean, they already do that bucks. With, yeah, that's that's tough. That, I mean, they already do that with vehicle registration. I mean, I'm paying two or three hundred bucks every year just to own a car, you know? Yeah, well, that's not here in Tennessee. I think I pay, uh, what is it, $40? Oh, yeah? 
Yeah, and registration's like 40 bucks. Oh, yeah? Well, what's your gas cost, Derek? Oh, well, yeah, I think I'm paying 269 269 Wow. Okay. Uh, you want to feel really <laughs> good about yourself? <laughs> Here it goes. Uh, I went and filled up my work truck with unleaded gas the other day, and I literally said out loud, alone, at a gas station, I went, Holy shit! <laughs> I looked down at the at the amount and it was four eighty nine for unleaded. Wow. The other two types, diesel and premium, were both over five dollars, and that's what made me say "holy shit" is I've never seen gas over five dollars a gallon. Yeah, dang, that's that is crazy. Yeah. Um, so my like, next thought was, it, I'm very lucky because I was filling up my work truck on my company card, um, and. Uh, I really don't pay for my own gas very often at all. It's super infrequent. So I don't really mind that it's $5, but I was still fucking shocked and literally said out loud, holy shit. <laughs> did anybody hear I wonder you? If, I, I'm sure someone did. I wasn't alone at the gas station and you're outside and I said it really loud. So I'm sure someone did. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's funny. funny, man. Oh, so my, my thought where uh, once I started considering like, all right, who draws the line and how do you how do you pinpoint who needs to be retested and when and how and what's that all look like? Then it kind of came into, all right, so if we're going to like uh, statistically single out old people for higher driving risk and, and more stringent, inconvenient testing requirements, then why wouldn't other statistical things be taken into play? Like why wouldn't they'd be able to say, hey, boys are more of a statistical driving risk than girls. So, boys, you can't get your license until you're 18, but girls, you can get your license at 16. Or, um, oh, yeah, boys from 16 to 21, they have to uh, have a, someone over 25 in the vehicle with them at all times, but girls statistically aren't a problem, so they can drive alone at 16. I think I mean, uh, an idea just came to What's hit. the difference? Well, I'll tell you, the equalizer with that is the insurance company, kind of in a they way. They already right? do that, but that just translates into your insurance rates. Well, the same can happen if you're older. If you're at over a certain age, uh -huh. maybe they say, oh, well, we're going to increase your rates unless you go get tested. Unless uh, you take the I'm driving sure test. I'm sure they're already taking age into account, right? That's all part of, a, of an algorithm of, hey, you're a male, you're 72, you live in this zip code, here's the statistical risk uh, associated with all those factors, and here's your insurance rate. So all that's being calculated already. Um, yeah, but, but, but maybe, maybe there's a premium over a certain oh, age, and then okay. unless you go to the DMV and get tested, and they, they say, oh, no, you haven't you passed with flying colors oh. you can't the insurance company can't uh neg you for this yeah. so um you know it'd be an okay. incentive to get tested so an incentive or a punishment for not being tested yeah uh, that's how i look at it so mm -hmm. like yeah, every year exactly. for, for my health insurance i have to go and get a physical um i have to do a few things i have to promise not to smoke a cigarette and tell them what I weigh and go get a physical and have my doctor fill out this little bullshit form that says my, you know, vital information. And then I turn that into my insurance company and then I'm incentivized to avoid penalty fees. And I, I, I hate the way they word it um, because I'm not being incentivized to tell you my health information. I'm being threatened with penalties for not 
telling you my health information is the way I see it. Yeah, it's funny how they twist that around. Yeah, oh, it makes me just want to punch him in the face. Like, I'll do it, but don't, don't fucking pretend like, you know, I'm doing it to receive a benefit. I'm doing it to prevent an ass raping. Though no, that's what we're doing here. Uh, you're threatening to fuck me, and I'm preventing you from fucking me. That's what's happening. You know, every time you hear, like, some some spin on something like that, it's always like a marketing spin in order to to sell it. You know, it's like uh, uh, Congress will create, like, some kind of act called the Saving American People Act. And actually, it's, like, doing <laughs> quite the opposite, or the Patriot yeah. Act. And it's actually anti-Patriot, patriotic yeah, the, act. the Patriot and, Act. We're going to spy on you. It's super patriotic. Like, yeah. well, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> I thought he had the right to privacy here. That's, that's not patriotic. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's it's the uh, the beauty and the effectiveness of good marketing or a good slogan. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. It psychologically works for sure. Yeah, it kind of does. And <laughs> and it's always the exact opposite. That's the strange thing. It's always the exact yeah. opposite, but it but we ended up buying it. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Being patriotic so, here. Totally. Totally. That's yeah. Uh, that stuff bugs me. Yeah. So, I don't know what the answer is with the old people driving and all that, but you know, and then I wonder, like, I, I guess I, I haven't even looked at the real statistical risks. Like, is a 80-year-old statistically more risky of a driver than a 16-year-old boy? I I don't know that I would automatically say, oh, yeah, definitely the old guy's a higher risk. Because fucking 16-year-old boys are idiots. And I certainly was a super high risk. And if the insurance company or Department of Motor Vehicles had any idea what I was doing in my car at 16, they would have yanked my license immediately. <laughs> same here. Same here. But, I had no business driving at 16. <laughs> I had no. zero business. You know what's weird, too, um, is it seems like these days, the kids these days, uh, I'm going to start this like a total fucking old guy. Get off my lawn. It, get off my lawn, guy. Uh, kids these days seem way less into getting their license than when you and I were turning 16 and coming of driving age. Um, I know a lot of people who have kids that are, you know, in their 20s and have had zero desire to get their driver's license and only go and get their driver's license when they end up needing it. Like they go away to college or they get a job or they do something that requires them to drive. It's more like, oh, I guess I have to get my license now. Where... <laughs> Yeah. I fuck it, dude. I was in line on my 16th birthday, dude. I could not wait to get my driver's license. Yeah, same here. I got my um my permit. You know, I got like the permit at 15 where I could drive with somebody and like I was yeah. like on track to get that thing right at 16. Well, remember the permit I think was like 15 and a half or some uh -huh. weird arbitrary line and and you're like doing the math like okay, so that's like uh July 3rd or July 4th. Like uh which day do I make the appointment? You know, it came down to that where you're standing in line the minute uh, and they're like, "Oh, sorry, it's not till uh, tomorrow, July the 4th." You're like, "No, no, no, no. I was born <laughs> at 11 a.m. and it's 11:02. I'm I'm officially 15 and a half right now. I just turned 15 and a half in line waiting for you. So, give me my permit." Kids just like stay indoors nowadays, and I and it's the whole social media thing where they're just stuck on social media, and like uh, it's really kind of a sad case. I, I agree though, because I mean, yeah, man, that was so awesome when we were younger and we got our driver's license, and me and my friends would be able to drive somewhere because you know, that that opened up the whole realm of pool halls. You know, going to the pool hall and. Uh, going to the fish store and just random, random shit, you know, but it was just so much fun just to get out and go. Yeah. And really most of the time just cruising, 
You know, just uh, going out oh, and cruising. Oh, dude. Yeah, like, where are we going? We're not going anywhere, dude. We're just going to go drive. Like, we're just going to go drive around, smoke cigarettes in the car, and uh, that's that's what we're doing. We're driving. Listen we're to our listen tape to, cassettes. You're going to listen to cassettes and eventually CDs and uh, um, jam out to our, like, aftermarket stereo uh, systems like everybody went to a stereo shop and had a gigantic subwoofer installed in the back of their in their trunk <laughs> or whatever, right? Yeah. I don't know if people are still doing that these days because you know stock stereos are are they sound great and they're all Bluetooth, so you don't really want to replace your stock stereo anymore. But remember back in the day, you would uh, immediately rip out the stock stereo of your car, replace it with some sort of a a Clarion or a Alpine stereo was fucking money, and they had they had. Even like detachable face stereos, because stealing stereos was such a problem that you'd you'd pull off the detachable face and put it in your little detachable stereo face plastic case and slip it into your pocket when you went into a party or something, because you couldn't just leave that in your car and uh, hook it up to an amplifier installed behind your rear seat. Yeah. Set a giant subwoofer in your trunk that made the license plate just go. Or your trunk rattle. Just yeah, your, your whole trunk rattle from the outside. It just sounds like it's going to fucking come apart. Um, those were awesome. Yeah, and that bug, I had, uh, in, that, in the very back of the bug, I had a particle board uh, subwoofer. And I had mix, mix matching, mismatching uh, subwoofer speakers in there. Not stolen at all, I'm sure. Uh, that, I, that I bought from somebody. Serial numbers were scraped off somehow. I don't know. It must have just been an accident. Because, yeah, everybody stole other everybody else's stuff back then. And um, Stealing stereo shit was just the norm, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. People Does that even just... happen anymore? Are, are tweakers still stealing car stereos? I mean, now they're all just these built-in touchscreens. You can't just, you know, break in and rip them out anymore. And if you did, who the fuck are you going to sell them to? It's only for this specific model and this specific year. Yeah, I think they have some kind of anti-theft things in there now where it, maybe it doesn't work in another car or something. Maybe it needs some kind of handshake uh, or something. I don't, I, don't I don't know. I might be mixing that up. but I can't remember the last time I heard someone had a car stereo stolen. Yeah, these kids. Well, these kids don't like to drive, so why would they even care about the stereo that they oh, have yeah. that they, That's a good for point. the car that they don't have? Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, shit, yeah. good point. People aren't really bumping as much anymore. I noticed at least, well, I live yeah. in Tennessee, so I don't hear that many bumpers, but you know, every once no. in a while. No, it's pretty rare to really hear someone bumping, uh, where that used to just be the norm, dude. Any car full of young kids, then then they definitely had a gigantic subwoofer box in the trunk, and it was just. Yeah, the biggest. You hear them that... coming from down the street, like, oh, fuck. Yeah, either playing like Ice Cube or um, Too Short or uh, Cypress Hill. Yeah, one yeah, of those big bassy things that just just hit, and then I mean, it was so loud. Sometimes you like pull up on the outside of a Chili's, and just everybody <laughs> on the inside would like would look at you like, "Oh man!" Because I had some friends that were um, that really loved to bump. You know, they had like the they yeah. had just speaker systems just insane, and just I, I this is probably why I can't hear so well nowadays, but. Yeah, we I remember pulling into a Chili's and just like we pulled in right on the right on the outside of the Chili's and on the other side of the window just everybody that was sitting there just turned around like what in the hell is going on out there? <laughs> it's so rude. It was so rude. And, so, and now you look back at it like, oh what a bunch of idiots. But at the time you were probably like, Yeah, we're yeah. fucking rocking chilies, dude. We're bumping chilies. That's what you wanted. You wanted people to turn around and yeah. show you how, how loud point. that shit was. 
Or you drive all the way to the beach just to drive up and down PCH with your windows down, just bumping, dude. Just oh, like, yeah. Man, those were, Everyone yeah. look at me. That's right. Make do turn you remember, around, go back on the strip. Do you remember music that was purely just made to bump? It was just like bass music. Yeah. Yeah. Where it wasn't even like, oh, this is a band. Like, oh, this is Nine Inch Nails or it's, you know, Too Short or, or it wasn't even like a, like a uh, musical artist. It was literally just like bass tape. And the whole tape was just musical bass, you know? It was just the whole thing was just bass music, just meant to bump. The whole thing was just bumping, annoying, crazy bass music. Do you remember uh, Stacy's old boyfriend, the one that had like the mullet? And he, he had he had the um, what kind of car was that? It was Thunderbird. an aqua. It was an uh, an aqua car, like totally yeah. just uh, lowered and like um, it was like a Mercury or something. But it was just all pimped out. Was a Thunderbird. <laughs> I could be wrong. Ron would know. Yeah. Uh, it was like sparkly, wasn't it? It was like a glittery yeah, paint it job was sparkly or something. Too. <laughs> yeah, which sounds gay, but it looked rad. It was like one of those like you know glitter. Sp- sparkle. Wish I could think of a better word that didn't sound so gay, but uh, it was fucking rad. It was yeah. like a lowrider. Yeah, it was a lowrider. Yeah, he would come pick me up because he just wanted a cruise, you know. So he would come. Yeah. Pick, he's like, "Hey, you want to go cruise?" I'm like, "Yeah." So you know, we get in there, and of course, this thing bumped to high hell. You know, this thing was just like really, really a bumping machine, and you know, we were we bump, and he would roll the windows down just partially. Because I guess if you roll the windows down with like two inches, it, it actually makes even a louder sound. Like it, it echoes and reverberates like outside of the car that much more. So right. like the whole effort was just to go out and and have older people say, what the hell is wrong with you? You know, <laughs> just and just get a oh, whole yeah. bunch of looks, you know. But uh, yeah, it was funny. I remember it brought back that memory because I remember he had those bass tapes yep. like that. Ryan Norell, actually, Bill, we're, we're talking about the Norells, but Ryan Norell, Bill's younger brother, uh, he had a Blazer, like like an older Chevy Blazer. Well, it wasn't older at the time. It, it's old now, but back then it was just, you know, maybe a couple of years old. But anyway, he had a white Blazer. We named it The Joint. And we used to ride around in The Joint all over the place, purely for the reason of driving. Like, he had a license. He had a car. He had a rad system in there. He had a fucking subwoofer and an amplifier, and it bumped. And all we did was just drive around in the joint bumping. He had some of those bass tapes. That's where that memory comes from. He had some just pure fucking bass tapes. And then we also listened to a lot of like Nirvana. Um, uh, he liked Nirvana a lot. What else did we listen to? Um, <laughs> the Presidents of the United States of America. You, you remember that band? Yeah-ish. Uh-huh. Um, the one with millions of peaches, peaches for me. Millions of peaches. (laughs) Peaches for free. Look out! The 90s. Shit. Oh, dude, the 90s, yeah. Um, We listen to a lot of of fun shit. A lot of rap, like you said. A lot of the old school gangster rap that I still hold very near and dear to my heart. I love that old gangster rap. Um, Like Too Short and the early Snoop work and Dr. Dre and uh, N.W.A., Ice Cube's old shit, West Side Connection, all those old fucking gangster rap albums were fucking awesome, dude. Tying that back into accidents, isn't that the car you guys had that accident in? Or? Uh, yeah, so I was, yeah, that was a bad one, dude. Uh, we were down by the beach, actually, just cruising. Had nowhere to be. We were just cruising by the beach. And um, Ryan was making an unprotected left turn 
So he had to wait for oncoming traffic to be clear before he made his safe left turn. And he started making his left turn before oncoming traffic was clear and didn't see a car going full speed directly at him. And as he was turning left into uh, into the intersection, an oncoming car just smashed him head on mm. or right on the, the front passenger side tire, essentially, right on that co- corner of the of the uh, of the hood. And who was in the car? It was okay. Ryan was driving. Ron was your brother. Your brother Ron was riding shotgun. I was sitting in the back seat behind the driver. And Brian Kirk, our good old friend who I haven't talked to in forever, was sitting to the right of me in the back seat behind the passenger. And the oncoming car smashed in the front of Ryan. And I didn't see the oncoming car uh, come, so I was turned to my right, talking to Brian in the back seat. None of us were wearing seatbelts, of course. And. I was turned to my right talking to Brian, and it just fucking hit us like a train. And I flew forward and landed on top of Ryan on the center console, who Ryan must have hit the steering wheel because he broke both his wrists and broke his nose on the steering wheel and then must have flopped flopped to the right side. And he must have done that quick enough to beat me to it because I landed on top of him on the center console. And... Uh, your brother, Ron, had glasses on his forehead, uh, Arnett's. It was very 90s. It was a very 90s era. And he had those, those fucking big, beefy Arnett's on yeah. his forehead and smacked his face on the dash. The Arnett's, the nose piece, which is shaped like an upside-down V, the nose piece gouged into Ron's forehead, and he still has a V-shape or a Y-shaped scar on his head mm-hmm. uh, for where, when those Arnett's like, went into his dome. And he sm- he smacked his face on the dash. Brian Kirk, the guy sitting behind Ron to the right of me that I was turned around talking to, hit his head on the seatbelt thing. You know how like the driver side, I'm sorry, the passenger side front seat seatbelt is essentially like uh, a little thing right next to your right ear. Yeah, um, that's where the seatbelt is attached to. And Brian Kirk flew forward, hit his right eyebrow on that seatbelt on the on the front passenger seat uh, on the front passenger seatbelt thing smacked his right eyebrow on that and gashed his head wide open so every everyone in the car but me had big head wounds where ryan smashed his face on the steering wheel ron smashed his face on the on the dash with his glasses and brian kirk smashed his head on that seatbelt thing and so as soon as it happened bam it just fucking collided and and stopped the show man and i remember becoming aware first because i was totally unhurt dude i had nothing on me was cut bruised nothing i was totally fine um but i was kind of like oh my god what happened and everyone was essentially like unconscious no one was moving and ron was like my brother and my only concern was ron looks really bad because the glasses cut into his forehead and head wounds bleed a lot so ron was just covered in blood dude oh my god i mean he looked like like a horror film and I climbed over the center console and dragged Ron out the driver's side, I'm sorry, the passenger side door. Um, And uh, I don't really remember paying a lot of attention to the other guys, which doesn't sound great, but I was so concerned about Ron. He looked so bad that I just climbed over, got Ron, and got him out of the car. And we, you know, kind of like, you know, having his arm around my shoulder, kind of walked him across the street, sat on the curb, uh-huh. And fuck, dude, it's all such a blur at that point. It all happened so fast. It seemed like fire department and paramedics were there by then, which is impossible, but they were there so fucking fast. Uh, first thing I knew, they were already there. 
and they were getting Ryan and Brian out of the car, getting them over to the curb. We were all sitting on the curb. Those three guys were just fucking bleeding like stuck pigs everywhere. Both Ryan's hands were broken. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, they so were scary. fucked up. And I remember I was totally unhurt. And uh, those guys were so visibly damaged that they thought the, the paramedics or the fire department or whatever thought I was just like a looky-loo, that I was just kind of standing right there like, oh, this and that and whatever. And they're like, sir, you're going to have to go stand over there. Like, you're you're impeding our our work here, you know? And I'm like, I was in the car, man. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm fucking with them. Like, oh, they thought I was just some, like, looky-loo getting all up in the business or whatever. But, uh, yeah, man, that, that was a gnarly one, dude. That was the that, worst accident I've ever been in. Yeah, that Nothing was scary me, hearing about that. I, I wasn't living uh, with uh, the parents at the time when Ron was living there. So, like, I think I, I heard about it, like, a day later or something. Uh, but, and back then, you know, there was no cell phones or nothing, but... Um, yeah, that was just, uh, yeah, Ron had that big scar on his head and it was like, man, that, yeah, you guys are so lucky. I mean, really at at the end of the day, that's, you guys were just, and, and and every time after that, you guys always put your seatbelts on. I remember that. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that was it for me being stupid and rolling with no seatbelts or whatever. Yeah. I was always, uh, and sitting sideways. Um, it, it, it was a lucky thing in that sense where I didn't hit my head on the seat in front of me. I was turned sideways, so I flew onto the center console and landed on Ryan. I mean, I I, I just got super lucky, but um, yeah, that was it for rolling with no seatbelts for me. Do you think it was because that you didn't, one of the reasons you didn't get injured could be because like you had no forewarning, so like you didn't tense up and you didn't try to brace oh. yourself or something like that? Or Oh, maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe, right? Like, you know, some of those like uh, whiplashy kind of things a lot of times happen because you're so tense. Uh, that your body fights the motion um, of of you know the accident or your body being flung, that yeah that causes some like soreness or whatever. It's totally possible that because I never saw it coming, like the same thing how like babies normally don't get injured in car accidents because they don't know to tense up. They they, they they're not afraid because they and, don't know. And to drunk be. people too. A lot of times, yeah, like drunk the people. drunk drivers yeah. are the ones that walk away from it because yeah. they're just completely oblivious there was even an accident possible i didn't see a thing coming dude i was just turning around talking to brian i don't think brian saw it coming either though i mean he was talking to me and then just wham uh but he hit his head on that seatbelt thing and opened his forehead wide open yeah and he was fine but he still has a big scar on his forehead too on the side right over his eyebrow i bet you're glad you didn't win that shotgun uh yeah 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 <laughs> we, <laughs> we remember how it. we do that all the time shotgun yeah. shotgun <laughs> oh, fuck, no, dude, you got shotgun on the way here. Yeah, fucking rules of shotgun. I called shotgun. Like, ah, oh, dick, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or you try to try to be tricky and be like, shotgun round trip. You can't do that, dude. You got to call shotgun for each trip. Nah, bro, I'm going shotgun round trip. Like, no. Shotgun, no take backs. <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. Yeah, fuck, man. That, that accident was scary. That shook up our parents, too. Our parents were all fucking wigged out about it. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a tough one. Oh, because our parents all had to come to the hospital. Like, we all went through. They, they got, like, ambulance ride to the hospital. Um, I rode. Oh, that's right. I rode in a police car because I couldn't ride in the ambulance with my three friends. Um, and I rode in a police car to the, to the uh, hospital with them. And uh, that was interesting. That was, that was, uh, I think that was my first time in the back of a police car. Not my last. Um, 
And uh, yeah, being at the, not the last time, no. But I think that was the first time. Wait, was there and, one in the middle too, or is that? Was there what? What? It wasn't your last time you rode, but how many have you been in the police car? Uh, yeah. How many times between there? Or any other times? Uh, or, yeah. Another time. <laughs> I don't mind. Uh, another time was uh, also with Ryan in the joint. Uh, just he and I were driving his blazer and smashing mailboxes. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we was that, were. Uh, oh, was that oh, the baseball bat with the baseball we were just, bats? No, no, no. We were just driving and um, cruising like we always did. It was just Ryan and I. We had nothing to do, so we were just out driving around Corona, and we came across like a steel pipe, like like steel conduit or some sort of a, a heavy steel pipe that was probably two or three feet long. And uh, man, what a perfect opportunity to go smash things right it's, so we pulled, it's at your doorstep <laughs> yeah I mean, we drove by it and we're like dude that was a pipe turn around so we turned around and got the pipe and we're like okay now we have a pipe uh not should we smash things but what shall we smash uh because it's a given god has given us a pipe uh with it we shall smash he didn't put it there and, for no reason yeah <laughs> yeah it was fortuitous so we must we must uh play out our destiny here and uh, we went and drove around and just smashed mailboxes. Ryan was driving, and I was hanging out the passenger side window with this fucking pipe, <laughs> just smashing mailboxes, dude. And um, we were <laughs> we came across a house uh, where the guy was, like, in his driveway, and he was, I don't know, washing his car or something like that. He was out in his driveway, and we drove by and smashed his mailbox, and that guy's... <laughs> He's in the driveway. (laughs) You dumbasses. Oh my God. What would I do? I'm trying to think what the hell would I do? Well, this guy must have had his keys in his pocket because he jumped in his car and started chasing us faster than you could fucking imagine, dude. And so he jumped in his car and he was racing after us. And and Ryan noticed it in the rear view like, oh, fuck, that guy's chasing us, dude. We're like, oh, Uh shit. So we're hauling ass down these little old residential streets in Corona, which. (laughs) The old residential streets are not wide. Uh, They're very old, so they're very narrow residential streets, and cars are parked on the curb, so it's not a lot of fucking space to be um, in a high-speed pursuit. Was that within the circle? uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, old Corona within the circle. Yeah, Yeah, those those are old streets, dude. Uh Um, So we're racing down those streets, and uh, this guy's fucking hauling ass. Like, he is determined to catch us, and we're just racing, trying to get away, trying to get away, and we finally get away. But uh, in the course of the chase, the guy must have got Ryan's license plate number. So later on, uh, after Ryan had dropped me off at my house and he went home, he was back home chilling, car parked out front. Police pulled up to his house and uh, they were like, yeah, uh, you're going to need to come with us. Right. Um, So they took Ryan into jail, asked him a bunch of questions. They, um, I don't know what methods they used but they got him to tell tell the police my name as the guy who was with him uh sung so like a bird yeah yeah he, he sang sung like, like a bird, bird. He sang like a canary <laughs> yeah so ryan totally narked me out rolled over on me uh <laughs> fucking told the police who i am where i lived and so later on the police showed up at my house to oh, pick my me heart up. breaks for your mother on that one. Oh. oh yeah my mom was devastated embarrassed also because you know in the neighborhood dude fucking police show up everyone's looking out their windows and standing on their porches and shit. you know well, steve's all that shit too on? huh 
Oh, every oh fuck yeah, cop Steve. Steve. Cop yeah, we had the we had the neighbor cop Steve. Uh, Mike and I, you and I, lived on the same street in the same cul-de-sac, and next to us was a CHP officer that does not fuck around. No, no, Steve was was no nonsense, dude. He was uh he was all cop all the time. <laughs> and I'm sure he was out there watching one you of his cop was. buddies out there knocking on my door, bringing me out, putting me in the back of the cop car, taking me downtown. And then I remember uh, the police who picked me up was walk. He handcuffed me, and he was walking me through the police station. Um, and as he was walking me in, another group of police officers were like standing around a water cooler or a donut box or whatever they were doing. And um, uh, the the group of police officers called to the called to the officer walking me through the thing, going, "Hey, did you get the slugger?" And uh, <laughs> the cop walking me through the thing is like, "Yep, got the slugger right here." And I'm just like, "Well, that's kind of cool." I'm, <laughs> I'm the slugger. All right. The slugger. I mean, I'm, I'm, how long I'm arrested got, in handcuffs. So how long were you guys but, on that rampage for? Shit. Uh, uh, dude, I don't, I don't know, honestly. If I had to guess, I would say we probably smashed six mailboxes or maybe ten or, I don't know, a handful. Maybe the, they linked you to somebody else that was slugging mailboxes, too, and they, they booked you for that. Oh, uh, I might have taken the heat for some other uh, dipshit smashing mailboxes that day. That's possible. Yeah, could have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was uh, crappy. But luckily, I was uh, young enough that they took pity on me. And my crime was, you know, obviously um, just juvenile. Um, although they could have thrown the book at me, I suppose, right? Tampering with the mail is a federal offense. I don't know how you say that, but I don't know how true it is. So maybe it could have been a bigger deal. But essentially what they did is tried to scare me straight. So they called my mom. And my mom may or may not have told them to, you know, go ahead and scare the shit out of me. I really don't know how all that worked. I should ask my mom one day. But my mom came down to the police station, and essentially what they did is they put me into solitary confinement, like a big concrete room with no windows um, and a drain in the middle of the floor. So I was locked in this room, and they left me in there for I don't know how long. It felt like an eternity. But it was essentially just like, hey, this is what we do to criminals like you. You know, we lock them away and throw throw away the key. And I was just in that room looking around going, wow, man, if I need to shit, I got to shit in that drain. Like, whoa, there's not even a toilet in here. This is fucking bad. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And it it worked. It scared me straight. I don't I don't think I smashed any mailboxes after that. Were you in another cop car after that? Uh... No? no, no. I think that oh, was the okay. last time I was in a cop car. Oh, good. Yeah, I've yeah. never been in a cop car. I can say that that I haven't been in a cop car. Luckily, probably uh, probably should have had I got caught some things. But... Um, I've I've sat in one just recreationally, like um, you know, a cool cop showing us his car. Oh, I'll sit in the back, you know, whatever. But no, no that that doesn't count. And in the back seat of cop cars are really uncomfortable, dude. They're not like a padded seat, like a normal back seat. They're like super hard plastic. And it's not a, a straight bench thing. It's got like, uh, I don't know, like like a butt shape uh, indent where you would sit. So you're sitting inside of a little like space so I can't slide over to the middle or whatever. It's like, oh, your butt yeah. is sitting here. This the space is, is molded for one butt. Your butt will sit there and it's uncomfortable as shit. And they handcuff you. So, I mean, you're sitting with your hands behind your back on a super uncomfortable, hard plastic uh, seat. So, 
And then there's, you know, the, the cage in front of you uh, where, where you can look through the cage and see the, the driver and passenger seat, but you're behind the cage like an animal. So the whole thing just feels like very, um, it's, it's not where you want to be. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you, know. you, uh, you changed your crime spree. You, you got yeah. out of your crime spree right there. Um, no, I modified my crime spree. I just did less, uh, risky things. I stopped, I stopped doing, uh, crimes like that with Ryan because obviously he was a glass house and, uh, he, he would just, he would just, <laughs> he would fucking, he'd, he'd finger me as soon as they turned the interrogation Ew, light on. What? Uh, uh, you know, point me out. He would, yeah, he would knock yeah, me yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly uh, what that sounded like. Where's, where's your fucking <laughs> mind going, Derek? Yeah, I'm going to record that shit. Yikes. He Ryan finger fingered you. me. Uh, uh, gross. Damn, um, <laughs> think about it before uh, you say that shit. No, but oh God, that was certainly not the end of our crime spree. We used to do all kinds of stupid shit. I mean, you know, I mean, th- these were before the days when we got into our, our real explosive phases of blowing shit up and, and uh, all that fun stuff. Yeah, I, I remember Steve too. He was funny because he was like to the T a, a CHP. You know, he's probably like a CHP trainer. Even because like I remember when he was uh, training on his his um, motorcycle and remember he put cones out in the in the oh, intersection. You that. Yeah. Yeah. And he would yeah, go he was, like he was he was practicing for his motor motorcycle exam. So he was a car cop and wanted to become a bike cop. So you got to pass this um, obstacle course test, among other things, I, I assume. But to become a bike cop, you got to like prove you're, you know, uh, cop worthy on a bike. And, um, yeah, he set up that whole cone obstacle course in the cul-de-sac and was out there practicing, like, all the fucking time. Yeah, he'd go, like, one mile an hour, too. I'm like, how does how are you keeping that bike up just going one mile an hour? And he would take some of those turns so tight, it looked like he was just going to lay it down, you know? I mean, those are big, full-dresser cop motorcycles. And I think he bought that motorcycle purely just for practice, because that wasn't a cop bike. It was, like, an, you know, a, a former cop bike. Yeah, he didn't like living in that cul-de-sac too, and like he was, uh, oh, he, he regarded me as like the good kid there. He didn't really know <laughs> everything. Somehow he was like, obviously, no, obviously he didn't know you very well. He didn't know me very well, but he was like, he would tell me he's like, just stay inside, don't go out, just save your money. That's all you should do. Like, don't go. <laughs> basically, like, don't go have fun. And uh, You're like, yeah, Steve, that sounds awesome. And I, I would hang out with Stacy's oh, boyfriend God. Pete, and uh, Pete would like we would smoke weed. He, you know, that was kind of my first introduction to smoking weed. And we would go up to skyline and, uh, smoke, smoke a bong and Pete would take the bong. And then, uh, one time, uh, I don't know if you remember Emily, we went with Emily. Uh, that was one of Stacy's friends, like kind of like shiny red hair, kind of girl, kind of bigger nose, kind of cute. Um, and uh, we all got out of the car after going up to smoking the skyline. And Steve was out there washing his car like he did, like nonstop every day. And, and Pete gets out of the car. He's like, oh, no, I spilled the bong water in my, in my jacket. And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh fuck. Like, and I'm like <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. In front of Steve. And Steve's just like, oh, man, I, like he's probably thinking about handcuffing us right there. <laughs> Dude, I remember one time on the, so Ron's, well, your house, uh, that was right next door to Steve's. Um, we were on the side of that house. Ron and I were, were smoking pot out of one of those weird little steel bullet shaped, um, pipes that had like a screw cap on it. So the whole thing was shaped like a bullet with a little rubber tip on the back where you put your mouth and on the front had like a screwable conical cap. 
and you unscrew it, you pack a bunch of your, you know, dirty Mexican brickweed in there, then you screw the the conical cap back on, and then yeah, you I think I bought smoke that thing. it. Uh-huh. Yeah, those are really cool. So you smoke it to where the uh, the flame, like, goes through that tiny hole in the front of the of the tip there, and then burns the weed inside the cylinder. And it was it was kind of like a sneak a toke, I think what we called it, because it was a tiny little thing that would fit in your pocket, and you could keep it loaded and in your pocket, and it wouldn't spill all the weed out because it had nothing but just that small little hole where the flame sucked in when you were hitting it. And we were on the side of Ron's house, on the on the side of his house that was right next to Steve the cop's house, and we were we were smoking out of this little sneak a toke thing, and Steve caught us, and uh, all I remember was him over and over and over again yelling. You guys are fucking stupid. You guys are fucking stupid. You guys are stupid. Like, just because we were, like, smoking weed on the side of the house right next to a cop's house kind of thing. And he was so, like, flabbergasted is the word that, that I come <laughs> back to. He was just like, you guys are fucking stupid. You know, what are you doing? And we're just like, uh, dude, we're just, we're just, you know, getting high, Steve. Like, what's the problem here, you know? Don't you know marijuana yeah. is illegal? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. stupid it was idiots. Like he just... He just could not wrap his mind around the idiocy of Ron and I smoking weed uh, right next to his house. And we were just like, chill, bro. Like, man. Isn't that where he pulled off Ron's cap? Pulled the cap off Ron's head? I think it is. I think I... I don't know. I I don't know if I was there or not. One time, time I think he did pull off Ron's cap. We should ask him. But it was like, he pulled off his cap or something. And uh, uh, another time, one time... Good. Uh, he would like teach, try to teach me lessons too. Sometimes like I would come home late and, uh, I would, uh, come home late from work and cause I worked at thrifties. I think that's why he regarded me as the good boy. Oh, I remember, remember I you at thrifties. Working at thrifties. Yeah. yeah. Back and, before it was right aid. Yeah. And I would, I would, uh, park right there kind of like next in between his house and my house. And one time he came up and snuck up behind me. And acted like he was going to carjack me. And he's like, step out. And I'm like, I'm scared of shit. And I was like, what? And he's like, see, you got to watch yourself right there. He's like, this angle right here, you can't see somebody walking in. So you got to, when you park, you got to look at that angle, make sure that you could see. Because he like walked up behind me, walking, uh, you know, in, in the blind spot of the of the mirror. And like, just thought he would teach me a lesson and scare the shit out of me. <laughs> It was pretty funny. Uh, what? That is so weird. Yeah. Like, well, he he liked me though. He he. Yeah. Did. You're like, dude. I'm at home. I'm not expecting to get carjacked at home. Like, goddamn, dude. Yeah. Yeah. He he was he he liked me. He thought that I was like the good kid in the neighborhood. Like we were saying, like because I had that job at Thrifties and like I kept a steady job and like um, he thought I was just surrounded by all you hoolums. And like I wasn't kind of somewhat of a ringleader there, but he didn't know that either. So I'm like, yeah, Steve, huh. I'm just a good guy. I'm just a good kid. I don't know. I don't know what these guys here are doing. They're just smoking weed all the time. But I didn't yeah. dress like you guys either, though. Remember, you guys dressed kind of like hoodlums a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, we really did. We were wearing like, well, back then we were wearing like the Jenkos, the gigantic size fucking 1,000 pants. Um, back in those, yeah, when Jenkos were really cool and. Uh, yeah, we did dress all taggery and gangstery. That was a weird era. I wonder if that's going to come back, or I guess it, it, it's starting to come back now as the 90s style, so I wonder if kids are going to wear those gigantic pants again, those, like, big raver jeans with stupid designs on them, and, uh, that was ridiculous. Those was were like a little big. Smallest... Those were, 
Yeah, they were kind of clown big. big. They were fucking ridiculous big, dude. Like your pants yeah. were so big and baggy, they hung over your entire shoe. Uh, and like as you walked, you didn't even see your leg moving inside the pant leg. It was like you were Gumby just gliding across the fucking sidewalk or whatever with your, your pants were just so enormous. You could walk within them without moving the pants. I know they were, they were enormous, enormous. Oh my God. Yeah. They were, and not even, not only the pants, but also the belt. I remember going to the, the, the few stores that sold these just ridiculous clothes and we would buy, there was a cheap brand. So Jenko was the awesome, expensive brand of big jackass jeans. Um, but there was a cheaper brand called Gate. And Gate made these enormous pants that you could buy for much less money. Uh, still cool, but not as cool as Jenko's. And they would sell them at like the uh, the indoor swap meet kind of stores. Um, you know, those sorts of things where you could like have a hat printed on demand or whatever. So they, they would sell those giant gate jeans at the indoor swap meet. And they also sold those those belts, those military-style belts, those, like, yeah. nylon belts that, you know, you feed through the buckle and you pull it all the way through and then tighten the little buckle clasp. They were a weird kind of belt. I think they're military-style buckles. Yeah. Um, but you would we would buy those when we were tiny, scrawny little kids that probably had, like, size 28 waists. We would buy, like, size 40 or 50 belts so that when you pulled the the uh, end of the buckle or the the end of the belt through the buckle, it would hang down like down to your knee or whatever. So it was really cool to wear enormous pants with an enormous belt and let the loose end of the belt just hang way down uh, down down the front of your pants. And uh, also wallet chains. Yeah, wallet chains. Those I was gonna say too. Those big enormous chains. Right? <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah, I, I remember Bill talking to me one time because um Bill and I were a little bit older than you guys and yeah. like he came up to me one time or we were talking like Bill Bill and I like always got along which I'm really lucky because Bill was Bill's a badass motherfucker. Yeah, uh, yeah, you you want to be on Bill's good side. Well, you know when I met Bill, actually I met Bill and I was staring him down. That's the way I met him. I I stared him down while I was walking across a, a a crosswalk and I was like and I think I even like put my hands up like hey what you know and that's kind of how I met Bill I mean I didn't know that Bill was a badass at the time um and I was just kind of stupid I was you know I I thought that he was like uh um doing something to Stacy or like, I don't know, Stacy, Stacy got a heartbroken, I think is what it was. And I was just kind of like mad and I'm like, Oh, protecting my sister kind of thing. But, uh, yeah. luckily he didn't decide <laughs> like, I, I think he got some respect from me on that part because he's like, dang, he, this guy's like ready to fight. Cause I was kind of like, Hey, let's go. Uh, but, um, luckily we didn't cause B Bill is like just one of those guys you don't want to mess with. But he came up to me one time and he was like, He's like these guys. These guys look tough as shit, huh? They're a bunch of pussies, but they look tough as shit. <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, that's kind of true." Like, <laughs> because you guys did look like a really rough crowd, didn't you? Oh yeah, I guess. I mean, that was that was what we were going for. Is we wanted to look like trouble. That was like our whole motivation. Uh, is we're bad kids and we do bad things and we have fun doing it. Uh, that was our that was our style. But yeah, we were not tough at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ricky, Ricky was tough. Rick Finger was always kind of a tough guy. He was never, he was, ne he never fell into any of these categories though. He didn't wear big, stupid clothes. He didn't wear wallet chains. Ricky has dressed the same since high school as he does today. 
you know, just normal shoes, jeans, and a T-shirt or a polo shirt. He's always dressed that way. Um, and normal jeans. He buys jeans that, like, fit him. He doesn't, you know, buy gigantic jeans when they're cool. He doesn't wear skinny jeans when they're cool. He just fucking buys jeans. And uh, that's how Ricky dresses uh, still. But he was always with us. We all look like a bunch of, you know, fucking trendy hoodlum idiots. But Ricky was always normal. But Ricky was probably the one exception in in the whole group who he was actually tough. Like, he wasn't looking for a fight. But if a fight found Ricky, he was he was down and he was going to fucking shut that shit down. Yeah, he was a bouncer, too, for a while. Right. And then, he, yeah. yeah, Rick is like pure muscle. Like if I, I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong, Rick has put on some weight, but underneath that weight is like nothing but pure solid mass muscle. Yeah, yeah, like he yeah. Could, he could crack your head if he wanted to. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ricky is, um, he reminds me of, well, no, no, so he's, I, I guess what I'm going for is like, and I think he's even said this, and it's a perfect description of Ricky, is that he was born in the wrong era. Ricky is not of our time. Like, Ricky should have been born in, like, 1820. He would have been perfect for those days when you had to, like, you know, stake your claim and hold your ground and beat up anyone who disrespected you. You had to go kill your fucking food. Like, those those days, Ricky would have thrived in the the manly man days. You know, it's funny because you meet people like this uh, on occasion that are just, like, born in the wrong century or decade or era and one of them is my wife like megan megan would have like in the 60s oh man i don't think i would want to know i mean she's just like free spirit free just uh kind of a gypsy a little bit and uh you know but the the good part about that i mean and she loves all the 60s and 70s music even still she doesn't like hardly any new music she's just all about like 60s and and 70s and she's she's like a total flower child Total flower child, yeah. She is just peace and love and just that's that's just who she is. Meditation and just, you know, that's that's who she is. But then I look back and like say like, man, she would probably be living her best life, but like would she like how long would she live? Because she would just be like probably going coast to coast nonstop and uh um, hitchhiking, going to Woodstock. Yeah, all, all the wild things. And then you got some people too, like um, you know, like you're saying, like people, some people that would be great, like in the 1800s, like back in the days of the Wild West. And, you know, she has she had a brother that um, unfortunately took his life. Uh, he was bipolar, um, really lovely guy, just probably one of the sweetest, actually, uh, uh, hearts that there are. But, you know, he, he had some definitely some mental issues. But like when I, I would talk to her, her about him, I'm like, man he would have like thrived in the 1800s, you know, because I would have been like, you know, hey, uh, we're going to the store. You want to come tag along with me? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Because he was a, he was a rough tumble guy, too. Like he was a boxer and like he just didn't okay. take any shit from anybody. Like he's one yeah. of those guys, like if if there was trouble, like most certainly it would be great to have him around, you know. But yeah. Yeah, it is weird how certain people, like you said, like your wife, like Ricky, your wife's brother, uh, just belong in a different, or or like maybe not belong in a different era, but really would have thrived and fit in better in a different era. Um, I don't know. For me, I feel like I'm 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 good for this era. Like I'm tough enough to be tough for this era, but I'm certainly not tough enough to have lived back when you need to, you know, kill your own meals and 
all that kind of shit. Like I would have been like, ah, shit, I don't know. I'll just eat vegetables or something. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same I way. I feel like this. I is feel like I'm. Yeah, I'm in the right era. era. I yeah, feel like you're in the right era too. I mean, you're, you're, a, you're a computer programmer, yeah, computer exactly. engineer. This is certainly your era. Yeah, yeah. I, I really got lucky in a way, even though I don't think everything is luck. But um, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, yeah, the path that that got me onto where I'm at now, it was just so interesting. You know, I, I didn't even know that. I mean, I worked at Costco and I got hurt pull, pulling carts. And then um, I was hurt for like a good amount of time. Like I hurt my back pretty significantly. And Wait, um, pull in carts? You mean like rounding up carts in the parking lot kind of mm -hmm. deal? Yep. Yep, doing that. I didn't do it properly. I didn't use the rope. Uh, and I would push them. And uh, that was at Costco. I ended up hurting myself. And no then, shit. Like a, big, like a big train of 20 carts or something? Yeah, I was an idiot. I was like... I was one of these people that, that would like look at everybody like they're slackers if they weren't like running to get the carts like nonstop. I was, and I was like Mr. Company Man, you know, uh -huh. and I was like, hey, he's not pulling his share, you know. And, you know, I I really am antithetical to how I was antithetical to how I am today. And I'm definitely mm -hmm. not that, that way at all. But um, after I got hurt, what they did was they retrained me. I went to a retraining center. And it's so interesting, like thinking back about this story, because I went there and um, I was really in a bad depression because it was like six months I was just doing nothing and my back was hurt and then uh, my girlfriend and I broke up and it was just like, it was really a devastating time for me. And I went there and she was like, here, take this test and we'll figure out where to place you. And all the way up to that time, I thought I was stupid. I literally thought I was a stupid person. And then she was like, you scored like whatever, whatever on this test. She's like, you need to go into like an engineering field. So I was like, and she was like, um, you know, you drafting is the best thing that we can offer you. So I went into drafting. That's where I was exposed to computers. When I was exposed to computers, I realized that I like programming. I took a $12,000 programming class, uh, well worth it, you know, 20 month class uh, course. And then uh, when I needed a job because I had quit, my uh, drafting job and just chilled for six months and uh, drank beer every day and went down to Ryan's house and partied that, that for about six yeah. months. And then I decided I need a job. And guess what I did? I opened up the phone book and I, and I, I was literally going to call every computer type place in that phone book. And I started with a, and guess which one I called. Wow. Active, Active PDF. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Trip out. That's how that worked. And it was like the first one that I called. It was like, wow. yeah, it was. Like, and Did, then Tony answered, answered the, the phone. phone. Tony, oh, okay, Tony. Tony answered the phone, and she's like, you know, I don't know. Let me talk to uh, to to somebody, and I'll have them get back to you. So I I I don't remember. I think they called back and said, yeah, we're looking for somebody. And it isn't such a trip that it was a cold call. It was literally me doing a cold call out of the phone book, asking if they wow. need somebody to help uh, repair computers or something. And I go in there and uh, met with Tim. I was nervous as hell. And uh, I got the job at thirty-eight thousand dollars, wow. or thir thirty-two or thirty-eight thousand, I think. Well, what what were you hired to do? Programming or tech support? Tech support. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Uh huh. And then you ended up running the whole tech support department eventually. Eventually. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Not because I'm a good manager, but because I'm a good troubleshooter. <laughs> like, let's be clear about that. 
Uh, uh, but, you know, you know, dude, the, the honest self-reflective truth is I am not a good manager either. Uh, I've been in management roles and maybe it's just that I've never wanted to be a good manager and applied myself to the proper techniques of whatever of being a manager, but I don't, I don't have motivation to be a good manager. And as a result, I'm not a good manager. It's, it doesn't interest truth. you to lead people. I mean, I, th I think you would, you know, because you're kind of a perfectionist and you get things done right and you can't understand yeah. when somebody fucks up all the time. Uh, yeah. You know, you're yeah, like, what yeah. are you, why are you fucking up? All I, I, I reflect back because you were the people manager for your band and it was like, why can't these assholes get their shit together? You know, you're why kinda... isn't everybody doing everything I'm doing? Like, if we all worked as hard as me, we'd be fucking unstoppable. <laughs> like, why am I the only one doing anything? Like, yeah. <laughs> you guys just show up when I tell you where we're playing. Why aren't you booking shows? Why aren't you making flyers? Why aren't you fucking <laughs> doing things? Oh, dude, and what's funny yeah. too is then, uh, and then one of the other guys would book a show, and it, I'd be like, well, that's fucking stupid. Why are we playing last on a Thursday? No one's going to hang out till midnight to watch us play on a Thursday. That slot time sucks. So I would end up, if they tried to take initiative and book things, I'd be like, no, nah, you did it all wrong. Let's let me do it. Yeah. So there, there's that too. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Oh, man. That, that is funny. And that's just like, I, I guess those personality-wise, like I, I prefer to be autonomous. I prefer to just do my own thing. I'm a doer. I like to be left alone to do certain things. I don't want micromanaging and I don't really like being responsible for other people because uh, I'm a little bit intolerant of of uh, people who don't take that sort of ownership of stuff. And I don't want to babysit them. And and you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. no, it's tough to find somebody that actually takes responsibility for their own actions even like forget yeah. even somebody that does a good job. Somebody when you say, you know, is not the most frustrating annoying thing when somebody either messes up or does does a mistake and you call it out and they're like they don't take responsibility for it and it's like oh you did that it was because of your actions that you messed that up like why can't you just you know so that that's where in a manager like i have a difficult time too because i'm just yeah. like look if you can't even take responsibility for your mistake like we we can't progress at all like right. we're, we're done. Like this is like, yeah. because we're just going to spin around in circles, me blaming you, you, you thinking that I'm uh, accusing you of something. And yet, you know, uh, this is going to happen over and over again. And I just, I'm done with it. Well, and it's really tough too, because sometimes just being good at your job uh, includes a natural path to becoming a manager. And that's not always the best path for a person. Like I know for myself, I've, I've found myself to where, oh, I'm really good at my job. And then I end up working toward a manager like, you know, the owner or the boss or whatever is like, hey, you're really good at this. You'd be good at managing the team. Like they're two completely different things. Yeah. Me being good at what I'm doing versus leading another team of people who are doing what I'm doing. Uh, they're entirely different skill sets. And uh, I've always just found myself to be OK at it. It's not it's not something that really gets me motivated. I don't get let up about it. And as a result, I'm I'm just mediocre at it at best. Yeah, that you know that happens in IT all the time too because yeah. it's like you get you get somebody like me like at ActivePDF where I was like really good troubleshooter, right? And that's what I was good at. I, I have zero management skills. I had no business being in any management skill. The only thing I learned how to do is not manage properly or what I shouldn't do in that class. And he even put me through a management course, which I think I just completely failed. I mean, at my age now, 
I think I can manage people, but management is largely, largely consists of like letting them be and kind of like allowing them to find their passion and like motivating them and kind of being a cheerleader more than it is like, uh, cause I can't deal with the other kind of management where it's like, Hey, did you clock in on time? Did you do it? You're like, I'm, I'm not uh, your dad. You know what I mean? No, no, no. Like, don't even get me in that, that role. And I don't have the power trippy controlly thing where I want to be in charge of people. Like I really don't want to be in charge of people. Uh, I just want everyone to do their own thing so that I don't have to worry about them. And as soon as I have to worry about them, I'm inter- it, I'm I'm instantly frustrated. Like, God damn it, dude. Why are you late? I don't want to have to fucking worry about this. Just be here uh, or just do this or whatever. Like, I don't want to babysit it. And yeah, no, I, I, it just, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't turn me on. I think some people are, are turned on by the whole thing. It motivates them. Not me. I, I, I'm, I'm like, I just look at it like an annoyance and a chore. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got those people that have the power trip. They get there. They do like that. And, and then you, you got the micromanaging aspect of it too. We've all had the, the bad bosses where it's like, yeah, they want to control every single thing that you do. And yeah, uh, yeah there's really a skill there that uh, it's hard to have a good manager. And um, really, really what they've found is that it comes to, it boils down to EQ, uh, emotional intelligence, um, mm-hmm. kind of like IQ, but it's that awareness of yourself, like awareness of yourself is what makes you a much better manager. However, awareness of your, those people that are aware of themselves are dealing with people that a lot of times have no awareness of themselves. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, uh, it, it's like, yeah, it's really a challenge. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And, uh, I don't know at the company I'm at, I may end up moving into a management role, but it doesn't light me up very much. Um, so we'll see what happens, yeah. yeah, but that's kind of the natural progression. Like you said, in the industry you're in being good at what you do instantly means that, oh, you should be good at leading other people to do what you do. Like, nah, leave me alone. I want to work from home. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to worry about any of that shit. Yeah. Oh man. Well, brother, this has been a really fun conversation and, uh, we dug into things that I had not expected to touch on at all, which is often the case, but, um, today we really polished off some some dusty gems of our, uh, of our, of our history, some fun stories I haven't thought about in a long time. Yeah. It's like, uh, I'll just say real quick. It's like, sometimes you wonder, I wonder like, what are we going to talk about? And I'm always surprised where we go and we always go in an unexpected place. Um, but yeah. it's always a, a fun trip. Yep. Well, I enjoy tripping out with you. Ditto bro. Ditto. Man. All right. All right, man. Well, I'm going to let you go and, uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. And you have a great rest of the day, my brother. All right. You too. All right, man. Take it easy, bro. Hey, this is Mike. Thanks a lot for listening. We really hope you're enjoying the show. We have a great time doing it for you. Uh, Hit us up on Twitter at Derek and Mike pod or on our website, DerekandMike.com. And uh, don't forget to subscribe or follow the show in your podcast app. That would be super cool. Helps us out a ton. And it also makes sure that you get notified every time we put out a new episode. Also, if you know of anyone else who might like the show, share it with a friend. Tell someone who might dig it. That would be super cool. We'd really appreciate any support you can give us. Uh, We really appreciate you, and we can't wait to talk to you next time. And until then, have a good one.